Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. On the phone, we have a gentleman I remember playing with the Oakland Raiders back in the 70s and early 80s. This guy was absolutely phenomenal. He would kill the Chicago Bears in any team he played against. The guy just had raw speed and could catch the ball. Cliff Branch. Cliff, I see that you were born in Texas. How did you end up going to Colorado for college? How did Texas let you get away? That was amazing. You're talking about Texas. I'm, I'm, I'm in my car driving to Houston, Texas right now. Probably brings back a but, lot of memories. Yeah, but uh, how did I get to Colorado? Yes. Well, uh, recruiting. Uh, I went to junior college. My last uh, collegiate game as a junior college uh, student athlete. Uh, we were playing Bland Junior College, and uh, after the game, uh, the coach from the University of Colorado came in and said he would like me to come to visit the University of Colorado the next week. And I said I would be glad and welcome to visit the University of Colorado. So I went out to the University of Colorado. They were playing the Air Force Academy. I got to see the Air Force Academy that day and, and University of Colorado. Had a fabulous weekend on my visit. I remember just flying into Denver. Uh, uh, the coach picked me up. We drove through Denver, drove to Boulder, and as we got to the area view of, of Boulder, as you're coming in to Boulder, you, you come on this mountain and you come down into Boulder, and I'm like, wow, this is breathtaking. And so uh, that Friday, I uh, had dinner with the coach. The next day, they played at the Air Force Academy, and I got to watch the game. And then that Sunday, I got to visit with Eddie Crowder and, and stuff like that. And uh, I was so right off the bat when I went to the University of Colorado. Uh, it was my first recruiting trip right after my junior college last game. And, and I went to other universities to visit, but I was sold on Colorado for some reason. I don't to play in the Big Eight, and I was just, I was just uh, amazed and, and how breathtaking the campus of the University of Colorado. So that's how I got to the University of Colorado. You were a track athlete, too. Was it tough playing at Colorado with the high altitude, or did it help you as an athlete? Well, I ran a 10-flat 100 meters. Uh, it tied the, that broke the NC2A's record in it. And the track meet, and I held that uh, for many, many years. And I also was a Texas relay champ, a Kansas relay champ, uh, the Astrodome championship, Drake relay champ, Penn relay champ. So uh, I don't think it affected me at all because I was a world-class sprinter uh, at the University of Colorado. So no, not at all. Was your coach accepting of you playing track and also playing at football? Beg your pardon? Was your football coach accepting of you wanting to be a track person besides playing football? Because a lot of universities just wanted guys to specialize in one sport. Oh no, no, no! They they wanted they they wanted track coach wanted me to compete in track and field because I always did the double, you know, from high school to junior college uh, to, to uh, University of Colorado. I was a world class sprinter, so how could you not want me to compete in track and field along with my uh, student athlete in football. Was there any chance that uh, you were going to be able to compete in the 72 Olympics? Yeah, I had qualified for the Olympic trials 
because of my time, but uh, I, uh, that's the year I got drafted by the Raiders, and the Raiders was real concerned. But you know, to, to go play professional football and get get drafted by the Oakland Raiders and play for the Oakland Raiders uh, uh, was a dream come true because I, I I wanted to be a, a great wide receiver uh, in professional football and, and get drafted by the Oakland Raiders and to play with uh, you know uh, a, a half a sub have a, have a training camp with Warren Wells, uh, Fred Bolinica, and Raymond Chester, man. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going into an organization that are competing for playoffs, championships, and Super Bowls. So I'm like, wow. I, I was blessed to get drafted by the Oakland so and go to a team that had, had great history of the passing game. Did you know the Raiders were going to draft you? Not at all. I had didn't didn't have one interview from the Raiders. I did fill out a questionnaire. They sent me a they did send me a questionnaire and I filled that out, but that's that's the only contact I had with the Raiders. So did Al Davis call you and tell you that he drafted you or did the John Madden the coach or the GM? I didn't I didn't even get a call from the Oakland Raiders that they got drafted. I just heard it from the I, I was waiting by my phone. Uh, oh, that morning, never heard from uh, the Oakland Raiders. And then my teammate, Larry Brunson, at the University of Colorado, he got drafted by the Broncos, and he just said, you just got drafted by the Oakland Raiders. I said, you kidding? Never heard from them. Didn't talk to nobody, nothing. Man, it ain't like it is today. I, I never heard from them. So who was, but, the first, uh, who was the first person who called you from the Raiders? Well, my my nobody. Uh, I finally I finally heard from Tom Flores. Tom Flores, I was doing track season. Tom Flores called me and he said that he was the receiver coach for the Raiders. About a week later, uh, and said that uh, he was going to come out and spend a week with me. He said, "I know I'm in track and field right now, but he wanted to come out and spend a week with me." And meet me and, and, and go over uh, different type of releases in the passing game, you know. And I said that would be great. So we, he came out and spent a week with me. Uh, we we would practice every day, running routes about an hour uh, after uh, in the morning before my track session and stuff like that. So uh, and that's how that worked out. And so. Uh, that Saturday, Al Davis flew in, and then we went over to Folsom uh, Field. That was where the University of Colorado had the football game. That's where we played our football games. And I probably worked out 30 minutes for Al Davis. He said he saw enough. And I'm like, wow, I didn't really do anything. But I guess he wanted to meet me and, and just see, see me run a few routes and and, 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 and introduce himself. And then, and then we went up to... Uh, the athletic department, and I showed them my uh, University of Colorado highlight film because we, we finished number three in the nation that year. The first time in NC2A history that the number one, number two, and number three teams all came from the Big Eight. So we saw the highlight film, and then and then uh, soon the track season after I had the NC2A track and field championship, I. The Raiders had a, a rookie camp, and then I came out 
signed my contract and officially became an Oakland Raider. What was it like being with the Raiders then? Because, again, like you said, they were known as a passing team. Did you step right in, or did it take a little while to adjust to their offense? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Matter of fact, uh, my rookie year, Mike Ciani was drafted number one. Uh, John John Della, offensive tackle, was number two. And then I got drafted in the fourth round, and, and Alonzo Tompa was also drafted on that team. And so uh, uh, I ended up beating... Mike Ciani out, uh, coming out of training camp. I beat him out and started the first game of the season. And then uh, Kenny Stabler beat out LaMonica. We both started the first game of the season. And then it was a horrible day. I'll never forget that. Uh, we had drop balls. Pass protection was horrible. Uh, running backs were fumbling ball. And then, and then in the second half, John Madden decided to put in George Blander. He said, going to change, change the pace. And then he pulled Kenny Stabler out, uh, put George Blander in. I'm running a post pattern. I'm 10 yards behind Mel Blunt. George Blander hauls the ball up. I make a complete turn to make an adjustment to make the catch. And the ball, and I'm trying to cradle the catch, and the ball went right through my arms. So after that, John pulled, pulled me, put Mike Ciani in. He was the number one draft choice. And Darryl Monica threw two touchdown passes to Mike Ciani, and I never got my job back. And Kenny Stevens never got his job back. Opening day. Circumstances. I had to. I had to sit for t- two years as a third wide receiver until I got to Mike Ciani got hurt in 1974. I got the starting job again, and I made All Pro four straight years. Who worked with you? Was it Tom Flores or was it Fred Blitnikoff, Raymond Chester? Who helped you become a third oh, receiver? No, it was it was Tom Flores. He was the receiver coach. And then and then you you watched. You watch Freddie, you watch Raymond Chester, and then you you, you, you watch how they, they release against bump and run, how they run patterns, how they run their release, how they run the ins and outs, and, you know what I mean, and, 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 and break on a precision cut and stuff. So you learn these things just from watching. But Tom Flores was the, was the receiver coach. He was the instrumental uh, guy in teaching me my rookie year. What was John Madden like as a coach? Well, John was a John was the kind of guy that he would have only three rules: pay attention when you come to meeting, uh, play hard, and go like hell on Sunday. And he gave us a lot of rope. He was a, he was a fun-loving guy. You know, we didn't make a lot of money in those days, so finding guys was out of, out of the question because you know they didn't discipline guys for, for finding and stuff like that, but. He knew he had a bunch of winners on his team, so he, he he ran a loose ship because our players was going to always show up on Sunday and win football games. You mentioned that you became a starter in 74. When you went to that first Super Bowl, what was that experience like? Uh, Super Bowl 11? 
Yes. Confident. Truly confident. Uh, for four straight years, we lost to the Dolphins in the championship game. Then we lost uh, to the Steelers three straight championship games. And then finally beating the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. So we, we knew whoever the championship game that we lost, the team that won the championship game always went to the Super Bowl. So here, here we got the, the Steelers five third straight championship game and, uh, to go to the Super Bowl just confident. You know, there was no doubt we was going to get the job done. We were 16 and one that year. We only lost one game, and and then so we were we were very confident. Kenny Stabler on offensive day that Thursday, I think he was he completed 15 straight passes in a row. That's how accurate and how how timing he was. He was just uncanny on on offensive day that Thursday. So we know he was ready to go, and, and on Sunday it, it was going to be a total domination, and, and the results turned out to be that way. Did you you played in three Super Bowls, won all three? Did you have a favorite Super Bowl? Of course, the first one. You finally get there. <laughs> you know, I was, I was in four straight championship games and lost, and then it's the fifth cha- championship game we won. So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it was the first one because it, it was a dream come true. It was real, and it, it, you know, our time was was now, and then it has to be the first one. Was there a cornerback that gave you the hardest time to get away from? Yeah, Willie Brown and, and practice and Mike Haynes in practice every day. What made what made Willie so tough? Willie's a Hall of Fame, Mike Haynes a Hall of Fame. When you go against those guys and practice six six days out of seven days and play on Sunday, it becomes it becomes very easy on Sunday to go against your opponent because you, you practice against a Willie Brown every day for seven years and a, and a Mike Haynes for eight years. So, uh, and those guys are in the Hall of Fame, so it don't get no better than that. What was Al Davis like as an owner? A pioneer, a maverick, uh, believing, uh, winning, uh, nothing less than win, but very loyal to his players. Always get, always put us in a position to win the 15 years I was there. Because you think uh, my 15-year career, I only missed the playoffs twice. I was in seven championship games out of a 15-year career. So uh, that speaks for itself. Always, we were always knocking on the door. He always got the players for us to compete at a high level and to, to compete for championships. So. Uh, he would do anything possible to, to prepare his team to have the best athletes on every given on every given Sunday in the NFL game day. You mentioned some of the quarterbacks, Daryl Monica, Ken Stabler. You also had Jim Plunkett. How hard was it to adjust to all these different quarterbacks? Cause it seemed like every couple of years there was a new quarterback. Well, it's all about seeing the ball and, and concentrating and making the reception. Uh, Kenny was the most accurate. Uh, Blanda, I called his last touchdown pass that he ever threw, 1974 Monday Night Football. So then I had LaMonica threw me my first touchdown. Kenny Stabler threw me 44 touchdowns, uh, in a, in a, 
and a and a and a eight year a seventy two to seventy nine seventy year span. We had forty four touchdowns. Uh, so I had the best combination when Kenny became the starter and I became the starter. Forty four touchdowns over five over uh over close to six thousand yards. So I had all my production basically with Kenny Staten. But uh uh, me and Jim Plunkett have an NFL record nine-yard touchdown. We've shared with about 13 players, so we'll always be in the record books because that record can never be broken. It's the longest pass in NFL history that has been tied 13 times or 14 times, and we have that record along with 13 other players. So they say the record was made to be broken. That record was never broken. And then I, I touchdown pass from Dan Passery. David Hahn, Mark Wilson. So I had my share receiver. Basically, it was with uh, with Kenny Stabler and, and Jim Plunkett. Kenny just passed away. He seemed like he was just a great guy, fun to be around. Was he like that way on the field, too? Yeah, Jim. I love that man. He was a great man. Uh, True would miss him. R.I.P. for him, and he's up there with the Angels, but uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he he was just a phenomenal guy. Uh, popularity, they, you have you can rate the top ten Raiders of all time, but for his popularity, Kenny is number one of all time in Raider history for his love the most. It seems like that the Hall of Fame forgets Raiders. It's it's hard for you guys to get in. I mean, I don't know if it's because of Al Davis and his personality with the NFL, but again. Kenny should be in. Plunkett should be in. Raymond Chester should be in. You should be in. Your coach Tom Flores won two Super Bowls. He's not in. I don't. I don't get it. Well, it's it, you know, Al Davis took on the league and beat him. You know, and so uh, there's uh, a lot of political things because of Mr. Davis. Now that maybe he's he's resting in peace and and uh, things will get better for. Her. A, a guy like myself, uh, uh, surely Tom Flores, I mean, come on. You know, played the game, got four Super Bowl rings, one as a player with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, one, two as a head coach, and, and one as an assistant coach. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, his, his resume and some of the people that he coached against, and, you know, and beat these guys that are in the Hall of Fame. So that's a sad one. Uh, Kenny Stabler, a finalist twice. You know, how, how do you how do you become a finalist twice and not be in the Hall of Fame? He's been a finalist twice. How do you go from being a finalist to disappear and not even on the old time committee? Something political wrong with that. Myself and Lester Hayes. So we we you got four people right there and then and then Jim Jim Plunkett. You know, he, he can't be forgotten. So, I mean, guys that have won Super Bowls, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Kenny Stabler was one of, one of the quarterbacks in the 70s that, that won a Super Bowl. All the quarterbacks in the 70s are in the Hall of Fame, and Kenny's not. Something's wrong somewhere. So, no, You're right. Terry Bradshaw, you got Bob Greasy. He was just as good as those two. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. I mean, you, you look at his numbers. They were doing a comparison, I saw the other day, uh, and his numbers, you know, for his, uh, 
and he, he he had a better record against Lacey. He had a better record against against Bradshaw and head to head, and I call him championship, but head to head. You know what I mean? So I mean, he he had winning records over Bob Gracie. He had winning records over Terry Bradshaw. And I, Terry Bradshaw has mentioned that Kenny deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Staubach said it the other day too. He beat Francis Tarkenton too. All these guys in the Hall of Fame. It's so political, but that's life. What upsets me about Dungy is every t- or Tony Dungy is they keep saying he should be the in the Hall of Fame, the first minority person, great coach. Okay, but. Last I checked, Tom Flores is a minority, too. No question about it. Yep. Tom was the first minority coach to be hired in the NFL. And the winner champion, win championship. No question about it. So, it's so political. But no, that's, you know. Exactly. But, it's, but it, it's never too late. Whenever it comes down, and, you know, maybe Kenny will get more votes, maybe Flores will get more votes, maybe he'll, they'll get in there. I just was at a golf tournament with Tom, and he said, you're going to Hall of Fame this year? I said, yeah, because we had two former Raiders in there. We got uh, Ron Wolf. Uh, he, he was more like the general manager when when I was with the Raiders. And then I saw him this past weekend, and I said, uh, congratulations. I'll see it in Canton. And then, uh, and then yeah, so he go, I'll be going back to Canton. I went to Canton last year to see Ray Guy, so I'll be go, going to Canton. Again this year, so yeah. And your centers there every year, it's just so heartwarming. I mean, again, Jim Otto lost his leg, but he's there battling every every year, going to the Hall of Fame, supporting the Raiders and the other Hall of Famers. Yes, sir. No question about it. Uh, lots made of Raiders with the stick and with Lester Hayes and Fred Blitnikoff. Was there that much of an advantage using that stuff? Say what now? A lot is made about the stick with uh but everybody used it. It was legal. Everybody, every team used it. Every team in the NFL used Stickham. Freddie and, and Lester got a lot of notoriety because they were on television all the time. But it was legal. Everybody used it. I heard the reason the NFL outlawed it was not because of an advantage of the players. It was because the footballs were getting ruined, and the NFL didn't want to keep spending money on new footballs. They figured they were going through footballs too quick. Yeah, well, I, I don't know why they outlawed it, uh, but they, everybody wears the gloves now. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing. When, when you played, again, you were fast, but again, you had great hands. How did you get such good hands? Was it just practice, or there were some drills you did? Oh, just working with Belinda Carr. You know, and the, the, the biggest thing with Blitnikoff, he always used to say to me, make your hand become a glove. Spread your fingers. If you spread, if you put your hand up and you spread all your fingers and your springs are apart, they are like a glove. And that was the biggest thing that I used to, I used to, when I was in college and high school, I never taught to spread my fingers. And the key was spreading your fingers. Make your finger it's like a glove. That'll spread it. So this, those instructions was very helpful. You played in one of the most violent games of all time. I think the 1984 game against the Bears when the Bears were just knocking out your quarterbacks left and right. What was that game like? It was a defensive battle. It was 
two best defenses and pro football going at it. I didn't even play that day because I had I had a hamstring injury, uh, so I was out of the game. Uh, but it was it was just vicious hitting, you know. I mean, Walter was in that game, and you know, to knock out McMahon and that knocked out both our starting quarterbacks. So we were down to uh, pretty much Ray Guy was one up on the sideline, and, and he was he he wasn't too excited about going in and play quarterback, although he was the third string quarterback. But he 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 hadn't really taken many snaps on this but it was just such a hard-hitting physical football game. Was that the toughest defense you ever went up against? The toughest defense I ever went up against? Yes. Uh, no, the Miami Dolphins when they were when they was running that what, what they call it the fifty-three. What, what did what did they call that Miami Dolphins defense back in the day when they went to the Super Bowl? Like, in the early seventies or the defense in the early eighties? Yeah. When they went to the Super Bowl, when they were undefeated, oh, I they, had, they had a they had a name for that defense. They were pretty good. The steel curtain was awesome. The orange crush were awesome. So uh, those defenses stand out in my mind are the toughest defense. But but that uh, that, that that bear defense was was incredible. What they accomplished. And, and, and the success they had and, and then going to the Super Bowl and I think they only lost one game that year. Yeah, I think it was the no-name defense. The no-name defense, yeah. Yeah. Did you have a favorite coach to play for? Do I have what now? A favorite coach that you played for. Oh, without a be, without a be, without a doubt it would be, uh, John Madden and, and Tom Flores. I only played for two coaches. John for seven years and Tom for eight years. So Tom went from head from receiver coach to, to head coach. But John John Madden was just fabulous the way the way he was able to manage characters and and and, and stuff like that and, and and personalities and stuff like that and you know and he was able to to relate to the different personalities of of the Raider teams in the 70s. And, again, he, he gave guys a lot of rope. He'll tell you he gave them a lot of rope because, you know, he know they will come and play hard on, on Sundays for him. You mentioned Al Davis with his former players. Every former player I talked to loved Al Davis. He, he basically said, when you're a Raider, you're a Raider for life, and every player said that. I mean, like, again, Fred Blitnikoff coached for years, Willie Brown coached for years. Again, you're part of the organization for Mark years. Yes. Gene Upshaw was president of the Players Union. So you had these men to go on to be very successful as a coach or, or, or in public relations or uh, public relations with player relationships, such as Upshaw being the player rep and, and working for the union. So you had these men under Al Davis' leadership and guidance who were able to take something from Al Davis' wisdom and stuff and, 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 and fought along in their life with it. It's an absolute shame you're not in the Hall of Fame again. 
the NFL better get this right and get you in there with some of your teammates, hopefully in the next couple of years again, because I don't want to see um, Ken Staber go in now because, again, I would have rather him enjoy it while you're still alive. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's never too late. I mean, he's not here anymore. He's passed, but he deserves to be in a Hall of Fame. He has grandkids. He has daughters. You know, he has partnerships, so it's never too late. You know, if it happens now, just like when Bob Hayes went in, he, he wasn't able to get the fruits of it because how could he have not gone in this way before he actually finally got in? Again, we want to thank our producer, Dave Olson, for another great show. I'm David Spada here with Elliot Harris. Thanks for listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.